Hello, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is the show that um, you've decided to listen to today. And thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate that you could be listening to any podcast right now. But you know, there are a lot of choices when you podcast, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you. you sticking with us. Yes. And we'll make it worth your we'll make it worth your while. Please don't leave. Please don't go. <laughs> Please don't go away. Even if it gets a little boring. Or wow. like you've heard All us. Right. Well, no, I'm not saying it will, but if it does, please don't turn. Please maybe don't turn. The, maybe off. the spark is starting to go, but we urge you. There's still spark left. You never you finish what you started. You never stick with anything. So listen to our <laughs> wow. you started listening to our podcast. Quitter. You don't want to be a quitter, do you? Um, this is a this is a show where we talk about things that are good, things that we're into. Uh, we casually nag our audience, and we just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, this uh, may, hopefully the tone of this episode will be a little bit different than the sort of wild, panicked energy of our last yeah. installment. Uh, Although, hey, guess what? Things are still weird out there. Things are still weird. Things are weird, getting weirder. Some things are getting a little bit better, but still pretty pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still here, and we're still talking about shit. So. Um, do you have any small wonders? Do you want to go first? I'll go first, sure. Uh, I'll say that Queen's Gambit show on Netflix got me real hard back oh, into chess again. Oh, yeah. Got back on the chess, chess.com app. My rating was in the toity. But I've been bumping it back up. A few games. A lot of puzzles. Gotta love me a chess puzzle. Oof. I can really sink my teeth into a good chess puzzle. Uh, yeah. I've been I've been really enjoying chess lately. I'm learning new things still about chess. Of course, there's an, an infinite number of things to learn, which is what is so appealing to me. That had to have been enough time, certainly. Oh, um, I mean, so we we slept with the window open last night. Oh yes, I feel like this is something we talked about before. Sleeping with the window open, almost certainly. Yeah, yeah but the weather's gotten cooler, and I, I like I finally got to pull up that down comforter. Love it. Cover my body with it. Love it. It's just the best. I think people who don't live in a warm climate like don't necessarily appreciate the sweet release of fall and winter. Uh, like if you live in Chicago, it's like that's your life. But when it finally, in the middle of fucking November, starts to get a little chilly, <laughs> yeah. it's like the it jam. It is finally fall here, which is ridiculous because many places throughout the country have had several inches of snow at this point, and we are like, oh wait, oh yes. wait, is it fall now? Um, I think I go first this week. Can you confirm I, or deny I that? I don't think that's true. Oh, it's not. No, if you look at the website, it oh, says shoot. that I go first. Oh shoot. Which you is ca- another reminder me. to me that we really are completely dependent on this website. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about eye contact. Oh, okay. This is, a, this is as you know, a struggle for me. <laughs> I, I realized the thing that is really missing from this, you know, like Zoom WebEx culture. Yeah. Like you are able to have meetings where you can see faces, but you don't get that eye contact. What? Don't you? Don't you? I guess you, you get webcam contact. You can't confirm that they are looking into your eyes. They may be looking at the camera. Oh, interesting. But if there are multiple participants in said call, I guess you can only look at one pair of eyes mm-hmm. at a time. Wow, babe, that's mm-hmm. true. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I um, it does make me a little bit nervous, but I'm like, I'm pretty into it. I'm gonna try and keep constant eye contact with you this whole segment, nope. and there's no way I'm gonna be able to actually accomplish it. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a very intimate thing. It really increases your connection with somebody. Yeah. It uh, inspires a lot of confidence. There's been a lot of research on it. And I wanted to share some of that. Just boosts the libido. <laughs> Doesn't it? The intimacy of it. The libido goes wild. <laughs> I what? can't do this. Babe. I freaking can't. I was getting like weird tunnel vision. Like the rest of my office was like starting to blur and my eyes started to hurt. I guess eye contact doesn't necessitate like a staring contest. That's a different thing. Uh, yeah, there was a, a study where psychologists tried to establish the preferred length of eye contact and they concluded on average it is three seconds. Yeah, anything longer than that seems transgressive. They said that no one in the study preferred gazes that lasted longer than nine seconds. Of course not. <laughs> so that is why you are feeling the discomfort you are feeling. When we were in the middle of our wedding ceremony <laughs> delivering our vows, I couldn't look at you for longer than nine seconds in the eyes. <laughs> that's in, that's that is a confrontation at that point. So I so I thought there was just a lot that was very interesting about this. Um, a lot of studies. So I looked at this article that BBC put out in 2019 that kind of combined a lot of these studies and said that uh, in these studies, people who uh, are rating strangers uh, when they are rating strangers with whom they've made eye contact, they rate them as more similar to us uh, in terms of their personality and appearance. Wow. Um, and it it creates this process that they call pupil mimicry or pupil contagion. Whoa, what? Where your eyes will dilate if somebody else's dilates when you look at them. It's this like subconscious social mimicry is what they said. Of Whoa, like, that's buck wild. Yeah. So if I just went and got an eye exam at the eye doctor and I come back looking like I'm wearing those like <laughs> weird uh-huh. uh, like incubus uh, eye, eye contacts. Uh-huh. That's your eyes will try and get there too. I guess so. That's 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 out there, man. Um, the the pupils dilating is is a big thing of interest uh, because it is a way that people show that they are more aroused or stimulated, mm-hmm. uh, and that there was actually a plant extract that people used to deliberately take. These women would take uh, this plant extract called belladonna to deliberately dilate their pupils as a way to make themselves seem more attractive. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I didn't do a whole lot of research on that, but uh, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, sure. Um, so th- it does make people uncomfortable. We, uh, I've actually talked about this with some of our friends because we have a friend who is known for making very intense, deliberate eye contact. Yes. Uh, and I personally like it. I think it's really engaging. I feel really connected. Absolutely. But- but we have friends that are like, I can't, I can't look. <laughs> it's too much. It's very intense. Um, and so there's a suggestion, actually, like when working with children in particular, uh, to to look away um, because it interferes with working memory. A lot of times, people have trouble holding information when they are being when they are getting eye- that kind of eye contact. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's a suggestion from psychologists that if you are having trouble getting a young child to answer questions that you could look away and wow. make them feel more comfortable. Okay. But yeah, there has been research to say that people that make more eye contact have been perceived to be more intelligent, more conscientious, and sincere, at least in Western cultures. Yeah, sure. Um, and that you're more inclined to believe somebody when they make eye contact with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll try and be better about it, but I probably won't. <laughs> um, 
Can I do my first thing? Yes. This is like a very, I feel like this episode is like a real uh, brain games. Like, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because uh, <laughs> my, my first thing is absolutely that. It is the uh, arbitrary but seemingly uh, like ironclad rules that govern adjective order. Are you aware of this? Have you heard of this? I don't know if you ever, I know. You ever seen this thing? <laughs> I don't know if I know Jay what Leno. you're talking about. Okay, so it, it, it's one of those like weird language things that you don't learn really in school unless you are learning basically English as a second language. Like you kind of have to do it, but it is this weird osmosis thing that uh, determines when you are describing something with multiple adjectives in a sentence, the order in which those descriptors have oh. to be used. It's this intuitive, like largely unwritten rule that is weirdly like unbreakable. And it's only, it's something that has only been like a, a subject of study and categorization over the, like the last couple decades. Um, it went viral. This rule uh, did back in 2016 when somebody tweeted out uh, an excerpt from this book called the elements of eloquence. And I'm going to read it now verbatim. Adjectives in English absolutely have to be in this order. Opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose, noun. Whoa. So you, so you can have a lovely little old rectangular green French silver whittling knife. But if you mess with that word order in the <laughs> slightest, you'll sound like a maniac. It's an odd thing that every English speaker uses that list, but almost none of us could write it out. And as size comes before color, green great dragons can't exist. I'm looking at wow. Rachel's mind just slowly start to seep out of her her ears as it. Well, has you know been what exploded. I'm thinking about is that that sentence. What is that sentence? I may have to look it up. That people use so they use every letter on the keyboard. Oh, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah, uh, that's. I know it's not a great example, but, but it is that because you can't say the brown quick fox. Yeah, jumps over the lazy dog. Like to use the sentence in this uh, excerpt, like you can't say a rectangular French old little lovely silver green whittling knife. Like that sounds yeah. wrong and it's bad. It's confusing. It's hard to keep your brain on anything. And there's so many phrases that like f try and break this rule and it sounds wild. The The one that I loved uh, in an article from The Guardian was uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Like you, ca it can't be my my big greek fat wedding like it can't it cannot be that you can't have uh leather walking brown boots like it just doesn't yeah. it just doesn't work uh and it, it gets a little bit more complicated the more you sort of dive into language which i'm going to do a little bit and our listeners are going to fall asleep but there's two broad categories of adjective like use cases that can like affect that rule a bit uh there's uh, co-relative adjectives that sort of fall into similar categories in that list and they can be kind of interchangeable in how you use them in order because they're broken up by commas a lot of the time but then there's cumulative adjectives that change the meaning of the noun that follows it so things like former or fake or alleged like if you switch around the order of those adjectives it actually transforms the meaning of the sentence and what you're trying to say about the noun um, but most of the time, like that doesn't happen. And the, that's where this word order, like absolutely comes into play. Uh, and I, I called it arbitrary in the intro to this segment. And I think it is largely arbitrary as like defined as it is. Uh, but what defines this list, what defines this order, people at least assume is the more specific and concrete and permanent the descriptor of the noun, the closer it has to be to the noun. Okay. Okay. So like a whittling knife, like 
whittling knife des- describes the purpose of the knife and therefore yeah. is like the, inherent to the knife. Something like green is like important, right? But it's not as important as the whittling knife. So as you move further and further back, calling it lovely is opinion. That is the least important thing because it is your own shit. It is like so far removed from being integral to the existence of the item itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Isn't that fucking bonkers? Like there there have been uh, a a lot of like studies using like these, uh, you know, crawling programs that like scan through centuries millennia of literature uh in english and it always follows this like it is it has always followed this example even though it is not like a again a thing that we are properly taught not not only that it's a thing that we don't even know about i did not know that we followed this order until i saw this 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 tweet and it sort of opened up my 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 eyes to this hidden, you know, 99% invisible truth of language. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm thinking a lot about about learning another language. You know, and I remember like, you know, in like French and Spanish, like the adjective often follows the noun. Yeah. Uh and hearing that English is a very hard language to learn, but not really understanding why, but it is, it's rules it's like this, that yeah. that are so different. And we take that for granted because this is an outrageously, I read one of these articles like, just try and make a, a uh, uh, oh God, what's it called when you try to uh, come up with a device to remember a thing? Mnemonic. A mnemonic device for this. You can't. Yeah. It's like an impossible thing to mnemonically. It's a huge, wild important rule well, that more like, often than not you're not using a whole lot of adjectives to describe something no most of the time it is like the uh, a big red barn you can't say a yeah. red big barn like it's a, but even that it's two adjectives and if you switch the order it doesn't sound good yeah <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Isn't that the, it's anyway I, I i saw this uh like i don't know earlier this year and this week when i was like trying to come up with stuff i was like hey i remember when this life-changing sort of bit of yeah. uh errata came into my life and so i wanted to share that with so there is there a name for it or it's just this is just a phenomenon just adjective order there's not like a there's not like a proper proper name for it so anyway uh i we can keep doing this show this episode but i think there's probably a large chunk of our audience that's just going to be thinking about this and like trying to run the math on it in their heads yes um but for those of you who are still with us can i steal you away (laughs) yeah It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Oh, we do have some jumbo bombs this time. We do have some. A lot of people were wondering. We do have some. And this one is for Josh, and it's from Erica, who says, Happy birthday to my wonderful boyfriend. Not really a pun, but I bet you hate it. I'm so thankful for everything we share, from the McElroys to 90 Day Fiance, and I feel so lucky to have found a partner in you. I'm so proud to be your girlfriend, and I'm so excited for everything we have coming uh, for us in the future. I love you, Josh. This is uh, for, April, for November 13th. So we sort of slam dunked this one. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on finding a guilty pleasure TV show to share as a couple. I feel like that is an important step in any relationship. Yeah. It really unites you in your shame. Is that an American Ninja Warrior for us? It sure feels like it. I think it would be generous to assume we only have one. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) This message is for Jake. It is from Greta. Dear Jack Lahore, surprise, I love you. Trying to think of new ways to tell you how wonderful you are is hard, and so I am telling the world. You give me tea when my tum hurts, poems when I'm sad, and tolerate my chaotic playlists of Joanna Newsom, Pink Panther, X-Files theme. <laughs> Let's go play Fallen Order. I love you forever and more each day. Love, Grubby Grouper. This is, uh, I wish you all could see, it's funny, we did E.E. E. Cummings last week, the efficiency <laughs> of language uh, that Greta has used in this in this message. A lot of ampersands, yeah. uh, a lot of just very, very good use of the characters in this message. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's a point in the message when she just eliminates spaces entirely, and, and I like it's, that. It's so powerful, and I will say, though, that the Joanna Newsom Pink Panther X-Files theme sort of playlist is the wildest shit I've ever heard uh-huh. in my life. <laughs> Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Whitey the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film and 
industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Can I tell you my second thing? I wish you would. It is the drive-thru. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Getting getting through it. Yeah. We had a little drive-thru adventure the other day. Yeah, it was not pleasant. Uh, but I will say that normally this is in a very uh, efficient, valuable aspect of a restaurant these days. Yes, for uh, sure. <laughs> I wish every restaurant did it. I wish I could get like drive-thru Outback Steakhouse or whatever. I don't know why <laughs> really? that is. I don't know why that's where I went. <laughs> I appreciate that you were looking for like a national relatable restaurant across this country. And yeah. That is, that is where you went. Yep. Just give me a big steak and uh, some some cellophane. <laughs> uh, this is something that, uh, you know, a lot of restaurants are pivoting to and a lot of restaurants have been doing for decades. And yeah. They are really thriving, I yeah. think, in this economy. The articles I read specifically called out these like frontline workers and like emergency responders that are working in all hours and have very little personal time really jumping on these these options. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that's been around uh, forever. Uh, the first drive through opened in 1947 and was not at McDonald's. Interesting. <laughs> was it a place called Red's Giant Hamburg on uh, Route... <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> on Route 66 in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Uh, this uh, location closed in 1984. So the current award for the longest running burger drive through goes to In-N-Out, which opened in 1948. Interesting. See, I got the impression we watched that the founder movie about the guy who founded McDonald's. Yeah. And made it seem like they were the first ones to do. McDonald's didn't do it until 1975. What a joke. (laughs) What a joke. Uh, The first drive through focus chain was Jack in the Box in 1951. Okay. Okay. Um, most Jack in the Boxes now have indoor dining areas, but 85% of their orders uh, are either drive through or to go. Not especially shocking. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I don't know which came first, the, the minimization of the indoor dining uh, or if just the realization nobody's eating in here, why would we make it a nice place to be? <laughs> I have to imagine that the drive through made the in, in-room dining experience obsolete instead yeah. of it being an answer to people not eating inside the... Like the fact that most of these places don't even have discrete chairs. A lot of times it is just like a booth bench attached to the table. <sighs> okay, but we're... Ta- I, I, I would... Argue, I'm talking completely out of my ass, but anecdotally, I feel like that's a fairly recent phenomenon because like we used to go to McDonald's and eat... When I was like a kid, we would like eat in the McDonald's. Like we would go to... Burger King and eat in the Burger King. Yeah. And just like kick it there. It wasn't Was that because there. they had like a little kids, a kids vibe? That is actually exactly it. Like they had the play place <laughs> and shit. I don't think we ever ate inside a Taco Bell. They had nothing for us there. Oh my gosh. I never thought about the fact that a Taco Bell has never had like a, a play structure. Maybe they, maybe they have. I'm sure there's one outside case where mm-hmm. they had like the, the Taco Bell fun zone. Uh, Roughly 70% of sales at most fast food spots take place through the window. Uh, some new kind of comers to the drive through scene, uh, Starbucks. Yeah. The majority of Starbucks now have drive through They actually have like relocated a lot of Starbucks specifically to have that capability. Huh. Um, 
and move to kind of off highway locations because it's become such a successful yeah. model for them. A long time holdout, but recent joiner on the drive through scene, Chipotle. Wow, I didn't know this. They have just started doing this. They they held out forever because they really saw a lot of value in the like face to face, you know, subway kind of experience where you you talk to somebody and they make your food in front of you. Uh, their new goal for twenty twenty is to have sixty percent of new Chipotle restaurants to have drive through and seventy percent in twenty twenty one. Huh. I think they have realized that they have to adapt to this new climate. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing the same thing Starbucks did where they are looking for locations that have that capability now. It's so wild. We're talking about so many places that we like occasionally would go to pre-COVID that like, it's weird to me. I haven't had any Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't getting Starbucks on the daily, but sometimes I'd drive by one and be like, well, I'll get a, I'll get a little special something. Yeah. But it has been now, what, eight, nine months since uh-huh. <laughs> the last day? Yeah, I I feel like, I mean, what is tricky about drive-thru and the reason a lot of people like Panera, for example, did a lot of research on drive-thru before they started doing it because it's associated with food that, you know, like is more like shelf stable. Right. And a lot of restaurants like Chipotle and Panera that prioritize this, like we have these, you know, like nice, fresh ingredients. How do you translate that to like putting it in a bag? But that's what's so wild. It's putting it in a bag and handing it through a window is essentially the same thing as handing it over a cash register and then you eating it right in front of them. Like it's just an optical concern. And I feel like maybe this is the perfect time for us to transition because the alternative is, I guess I'm not going to eat Chipotle for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I think drive through used to really prioritize speed is mm-hmm. their thing, which is why I think a lot of restaurants thought, well, that's not going to work for us. Yeah. Um, but the time for drive throughs has actually gotten slower over the years, like yeah. the average wait time. Like it used to be like around two minutes and now it's like doubled since then. Four minutes. <laughs> Who's got the time? Uh, so there, so QSR Magazine, which is, I'm sure. Oh my God. A magazine. I can't believe we're referencing <laughs> QSR Magazine in this show and not my bim bam. So they did a 2020 uh, study of America's favorite drive throughs uh, I didn't really want to talk about number one because number one is Chick-fil-A and obviously that is not. Are you f- great? Number fucking one? Yeah, because so they rate on overall experience, speed of service. Okay, okay. It's not just popularity. Yeah, it's, friendliness okay. of staff, cleanliness, menu item availability, homophobia, or, order accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, Arby's. Wow. Oft maligned Arby's. Okay. Number two. So we're talking quality control, right? We've had, we've had. Uh, bad experiences where just like waiting in line at McDonald's and the line doesn't move for 15 minutes and you just yeah. like bounce. I'm thinking about it. I don't know that I've had too many terrible Arby's experiences except how I feel after I eat the big roast beef sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and it's those categories. It's the like, you know, speed of service. Right. Order accuracy. Um, so they, if you look at the little like table, yeah. they have like, it's like wow. consumer reports. Yeah, they have absolutely. like different scores in each. Wow, I just saw what's next on the list. This this list is wild, y'all. Yeah, Culver's. Never had it. No, me neither. But I think it's a, it's a regional thing. Like a lot of people that grew up around a lot of Culver's are more likely. Sure. Um, that's, that's chicken, right? Culver's and then fried chicken? I mean, I think that's one of the things they, oh, it's okay. like a chicken sandwich, I think. Yeah. Because I, I I hear that as like one of the replacements for for Chick Fil A. I feel like the bottom three are uh, McDonald's, KFC, and Popeyes. Hmm. 
God, you, you got to almost forgive KFC. That's a that's a that's a tough thing, right? A lot of those low scores come from cleanliness and sanitation. <laughs> okay, well that's a different that's a different deal. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's you know number four on this list is Panera. Like there are there are some kind of newer newer hits on the scene, but a lot of these on this list are like have been around forever. Yeah, you know, and just year to year they have variation in quality, kind of based on. You know, whatever's happening at the time. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is kind of a complicated topic because I don't, I'm not necessarily endorsing fast food. But I will say that there were a lot of restaurants that were kind of ready to go in this climate. And I really appreciated that uh, because they were just able to be like, yep, let's just do what we've always done. And, yeah. And be present for people who need food quickly. I'll endorse the fuck out of fast food. <laughs> if you're coming back from like the zoo and it's like... Twelve fifteen, and your son is like getting real hangry, hangry in the back yeah, seat. Yeah, it's it is a nice thing to have in the old quiver. Yeah. Um, can I talk about my second thing? Yes. It's a song. It's one of the all time power jams. I think I probably said that a lot, but I think you can qualify what is an all time power jam by like if it comes on the radio, if your response is always like, "Oh hell yeah, here we go," then it's an all time power jam. I gotta say, Barracuda by Heart is way up there, way up there. Um, I think everybody's probably heard this song because it's been licensed so much for TV shows and movies and everything. It was in uh, Charlie's Angels, I, Tanya, Birds of Prey, Reno 911, Umbrella Academy, a bunch of video games, most recently in Trolls World Tour. Uh, It's one of the (laughs) rock trolls songs that is performed. Uh, And it just has one of the most undeniable riffs ever and the song actually opens up with it so let's play a bit of barracuda now You know this song, right? You, you absolutely know Barracuda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, props to Heart. Like props to Heart for making some some real real lady jams. You know, yeah, they were they were huge sort of groundbreaking figures in women led rock and roll groups. Uh, and actually, Barracuda is largely about the obstacles that they f- they faced, which is to say, like shitty dudes in uh, you know the the record label and promoters. Uh, it, it came on uh, their second studio album, Little Queen, in 1977. It was a big single for them. It stayed on the charts for like half a year. Uh, and Little Queen was their first uh, their first album with this new label. Their first uh, album uh, that they ever released was with a company called Mushroom Records. So uh, Anne and Na- Nancy Wilson are the you know the front people for the band Heart. They are sisters and. Um, they were doing a, a tour. They were doing some shows while still under uh, Mushroom Records. And this promoter, while they were uh, on, on tour, came up with this completely fabricated bullshit story that Anne and Nancy, sisters, were in a relationship with each other. Oh, my gosh. And when they found out, they found out like backstage at a show from like some promoter who like jokingly said it, uh, Anne Wilson got fucking furious went back to her hotel and wrote barracuda 
that is yeah. the that is the story. So it is. That's nice. It, it's not just about that. It is also about just like awful men who tried to take advantage of them or just stop their rise as they were like coming up. Uh, so actually they dropped their, uh, their label. They dropped mushroom records. They had a complete album with them that is unreleased because they were like, fuck this. They were just trying to screw them over in contract negotiations. And this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, so this was on their, their first album with this new label after they, they dumped this one. The, uh, producer on little queen, uh, a guy named Mike Flicker has a quote where he said, uh, Barracuda was created conceptually out of a lot of this record business bullshit. Barracuda could be anyone from the local promotion man to the president of a record company. That is the Barracuda. It was born out of that whole experience. Uh, so I feel like, like that is every music industry experience, right? You work so hard to get signed and get an album and you feel so accomplished and, and like, all right, this is it. This is what I've been working for. And then you find out some garbage like that. Yeah. It's just like, this doesn't mean anything. Like I yeah. am a commodity. Uh, so I am glad that they got something good out of that situation. Absolutely. They had to like push back against shit like that, like their whole careers. Yeah. And uh, like, I'm not one to glorify like suffering for art especially if it's for something that like i've never experienced which is sexism uh but barracuda is a is a absolutely incredible song that represents something that has kind of uh there have been interviews with uh with ann wilson about like uh in the me too era like this song has like takes on new meaning and is like all the more relevant uh, and it was something that, like, they were actively, you know, singing about back in the, the late 70s when they yeah. were being kind of jerked around. Um, the song absolutely just rips, too. Like, that riff is uh, amazing. Uh, what's really interesting, and I didn't think about until I was, like, researching it, compositionally speaking, the song is wild. Because if you really listen to it with, like, a critical ear, it changes time signatures a lot. Like it goes from like four four like standard time signature to like two four for a little bit, then back to four four, and then for like a single line, it'll go to five four. Like, <laughs> and it, which uh, the I read an article about the song. I was like, it's almost impossible to do unless you like really really know it in karaoke because yeah. you're going to get off on the timing just all the time yeah. because of these weird sort of swings in time signature, which I yeah, thought it was, gives it like a real chaotic energy. Yeah. Which, Makes it like real appropriate for movies like I, Tanya. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the, the vocals are just like out of control. Another thing that makes it really, really difficult to do in karaoke when you get the, the, I mean, I just did it perfectly and yeah, flawlessly no, I mean, with my incredible. incredible angel voice, but yeah. like, you know, not you most people. You can't expect, can. you know, the, the novice to get yes. up there and I, do it. The one thing I think that is impossible to recreate is the absolute stink that is put on the word barracuda every time it is sung. <laughs> barracuda. Like it's so <laughs> iconic and good. I just, I think this is one, of, I love talking about songs like this that are, I think, iconic rock songs. And I, I don't, I just don't think you can do much better than Barracuda. Uh, it's, it is such an exciting song. Man, heart rules too. God heart rules. Anyway. Uh, Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Daniel says, my uh, wonderful thing is skimming stones. I got really good at it during lockdown here in the UK, and nothing beats watching a stone skip a lot across uh, the flat water. I'm glad that Daniel outlined that he lives in the UK, because I've never heard skimming stones. I've only heard skipping stones. Yeah, you know, I have, but uh, I'm a citizen of the world, I think. I see, I see, I see. 
Uh, uh, this I, was a talent I thought that Griffin had. Thought so. Just we were down I by a lake. Why I thought you did. We were because... by a lake with Henry recently, and I picked up some flat stones by the water. I was like, "Come, son, Rachel, you're the one who like actually <laughs> made me do it. You were trying to get me on some fucking Norman Rockwell painting shit." And I was like, "Come, son, come with me to the water." We were having this wholesome time of of family togetherness, and I thought, Griffin, why don't you teach our son to skip rocks? And I was like, just this beautiful moment. Absolutely, honey. Sploosh. <laughs> Sploosh. Sploosh. And the son is looking up at me like, why, daddy? Why can, don't you? I can why, throw rocks, I can too. do this, daddy. You're a failure. <laughs> uh, Luke, when you actually do it, uh, we have a friend uh, who we went on like a cabin trip with like a long time ago who, you know, grew up in in rural, in the wilds, I would say, visiting <laughs> the wilds more often than not, who could just like skip a rock, you know, across state lines. Yeah, it's not a question of will it skip. It's like, can How I get far, over seven? Yeah. Uh, Luke says, my wonderful thing is buy nothing groups on Facebook. Uh, these are groups spread across the country and linked to specific neighborhoods where people post things for others to take for free. And uh, if in a time of need, post requests for something before resorting to buying it. The term they use to describe this is a gift economy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is like Griffin a big knows, thing in Austin. Griffin knows my experience with this. It is it is neighborhood specific, at yes. least generally. And in order to join, you have to kind of demonstrate that you are in that neighborhood because some neighborhoods are better than others. Absolutely. We have a friend who who is very, very active in the Buy Nothing group. Yeah, uh, like got is, like a trampoline, you know, like has received large pieces of furniture. And uh, it's given away a lot of stuff. Yeah. To, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. It it's is. A, it's it's great. a great idea. It's great. But... Uh, but <laughs> It just really depends on the culture that is created in your community. And in my community, uh, somebody, well, several people have used it to just kind of give away their trash. There is a, a picture of something that is an old food item, and there is a suggestion of, I am not going to eat this. Would you like to? Well, and- <laughs> uh, even that, that, I think, I mean that is i think also fulfilling the purpose of the group the example that you told me is somebody got a pizza delivered to yeah their house. this 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 blew me away somebody uh woke up in the morning to discover two pizzas sitting in front of their house that they did not order and it had been cold enough overnight that she assumed that maybe some other person might want this cold 24-hour pizza yeah uh, and then i've also seen an empty peanut butter jar as but That's but not cleaned one. out yeah. just like like with 0.01% peanut butter still in it. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> saying like food food donation is a bad idea through these groups or a bad idea at all, but like I don't think anybody can stand up for an empty peanut butter jar. <laughs> I don't think I think that's probably pretty indefensible. <laughs> yeah. Uh thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um and thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. They have so many great shows there. Absolutely. Tons of great shows. Uh, And I would really encourage you all to kind of expand your podcast repertoire. There's always new episodes up so you can try something new anytime. Yeah. Um, Hey, if you listen to My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, we are doing a live streaming uh, episode of the show with Sawbones opening next Saturday. Uh, You can find all the details and get tickets now at uh, McElroyFamily.com. Really been trying to talk Griffin into some visual gags for this uh, virtual show. So funny! You were like, "What about a big bow tie?" And I was like, "Babe, babe, stop! I'm down. My sides are splitting."
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.